What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you today to break down my rest of season rankings. So what I'm going to be doing in today's video, I'm going to be going through tier by tier, position by position, and breaking down everything that you need to know in order to make informed trades and evaluate players for the rest of the season. I'm going to start with quarterbacks, then wide receivers, then running backs, and then tight ends. And I'm going to highlight you know, some of the positional outlooks as well. Who are the elite guys? Who are the solid options? who are the middling options, all that kind of stuff will be covered in today's video. So if you guys enjoy at any point, leave a like down below. Let's try and get this video to 500 likes. If it's possible, definitely put some time into this one. So definitely appreciate the support. Subscribe to the channel if this is the first time you guys are checking us out, or if you've been watching our videos and aren't subscribed yet, definitely go ahead and hit the subscribe button and comment down below any of your thoughts. Do you agree with my takes? Do you disagree with my takes? Let me know down below. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into this. Okay, so this is going to be a bit of a longer video, but there is timestamps along the scroll bar if you want to skip ahead to any position at any point in time. All the rest of season rankings will be available on Patreon after you guys uh, have this video go live. So if you want access to the full list, you can check it out. We'll be updating those, you know, semi-weekly, monthly, whatever the case is. And we're going to go position by position. So we're going to start with quarterback, and I'm not going to spend too much time on quarterback because I think it's pretty cut and dry in my opinion. But the current top three quarterbacks are extremely crystal clear right now. It is the dual threat passing and the dual threat rushing quarterbacks. It's Josh Allen, it's Lamar Jackson, and it's Jalen Hurts. All three of these quarterbacks are averaging over 28 fantasy points per game right now with absolutely absurd production coming from Lamar Jackson with 35 fantasy points per game. Patrick Mahomes, for what it's worth, is the quarterback four right now in points per game, and he's averaging a very respectable 23 points per game, but he's still at least five points per game worse than all three of these guys. So with Jalen Hurts, with Lamar Jackson, with Josh Allen, they're in pass-heavy offenses. They both give you a ton on the ground with their legs as well. We're legitimately talking about three quarterbacks that could all be 25-plus point-per-game scores easily by the end of the season. It's very easy to project these guys being awesome because they have great weapons around them as well. So moving off of those guys, I'm pretty sure if you guys drafted those guys, just you know, thank your lucky stars. You don't have to worry about the quarterback position. Knock on wood that they all stay healthy for the rest of the year. So let's move on to the high-end quarterback ones. And uh, we have Patrick Mahomes. Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert in this tier. Now, all these guys kind of give you some uh, combination of elite passing, elite rushing with Kyler Murray. But the one thing that's concerning for all these guys is that none of them really have the, the true nuts range of outcomes by the looks of it. Maybe Kyler Murray does still once you take into account when DeAndre Hopkins comes back into the lineup. But for the most part, these guys are just going to be solid every week starters, locked and loaded, top six, top eight options on a weekly basis. The one guy I am a little bit concerned for is Justin Herbert, obviously because he's dealing with a rib injury. And also we have the fact that Rashawn Slater, his left tackle is now out for the season by the sounds of it with a torn bicep. We also have Corey Lindsley dealing with injury, his uh, starting center, all pro center. We have Keenan Allen dealing with a hamstring injury. So just a lot of injury factor involved in Justin Herbert. So he is, I, I, maybe you could even make the argument that he might be below these two guys in uh, a tier of his own kind of thing. So let's move on to the back end quarterback ones. And this is where it definitely gets trickier. Um, we're talking about Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, and Dak Prescott. If you're looking for a quarterback upgrade right now, if you're you know running out you know average quarterbacks like Derek Carrs and Kirk Cousins, I recommend trading for somebody in this tier because I think they're the most cost-effective quarterback production. 
and specifically Joe Burrow and Tom Brady, because I think both guys are due for positive regression. Uh, Joe Burrow just has too much talent around him to not get better as the offensive line continues to gel. They've also had some tough matchups at the beginning of the year, and they definitely got back on track in an easier matchup against the Jets last week. And Tom Brady, I mean, he just has nobody out there. Like, nobody is healthy right now. This game that he played against the Packers last week, they were without their starting left tackle, Donovan Smith. They were without their starting center, Ryan Jensen, who should both be back in the coming weeks. They were without Mike Evans, who was suspended, who will be back next week. They were out without Chris Godwin, dealing with a hamstring injury, should be back week five, week six type of area. Julio Jones also on the mend in that game as well. He was throwing to his fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh wide receivers with a third string left tackle and a second string center. So we're talking about an offense that's only going to get healthier, hopefully. And uh, eventually Tom Brady should get back on track. So if you guys have you know a solid option like a Kirk Cousins, Go out and see if you can buy low on Tom Brady. He could definitely pay dividends down the stretch of the season. Uh, Matthew Stafford in this tier as well. He's looked pretty solid. And then Dak Prescott, I think he should be really good once he gets back from injury because once he's back, we also know uh, Michael Gallup should be back. He's not playing tonight on Monday Night Football, but he should be back next week, I'd imagine. He practiced in full all week, and he was close to playing tonight. Dalton Schultz also going to be like a game-time decision tonight, but uh, he should be healthy by the very minimum once Dak Prescott is back. And of course, CeeDee Lamb is there as well. So, once Dak is back on the field, throwing to CeeDee Lamb, throwing to Michael Gallup, throwing to Dalton Schultz, I think he has every bit the upside that uh, maybe like a uh, Patrick Mahomes or a Justin Herbert does in the next tier of quarterback up. So I think he's also a guy, if you're a 3-0 and team and you want a quarterback upgrade, go ahead and send some offers for Dak Prescott. And then the rest of the quarterback landscape is pretty much just, you know, streaming, right? And uh, pick your poison. We got some high-end streamers so far. Uh, Tua Tungvaluwa looks good. I mean, Russell Wilson, we expected him to look good, but he hasn't really done that yet. Uh, we also have Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz. And also I, I lumped Zach Wilson into this category simply due to the unknown factor, because I do think once Zach Wilson gets back on the field, which should be this week, I believe he's going to play in week four based on what happened with Joe Flacco last week. And they, you know, week four was always the target date to get to. If Zach Wilson's back on the field, throw into, you know, superstar rookie Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, who's still a great player, Corey Davis making contributions, Tyler Conklin's making contributions at tight end, the running back side of the backfield. I do think Zach Wilson can be a solid streamer as well. So if he's available on your waiver wire right now and you're rolling out, you know, a Derek Carr type, uh, stash Zach Wilson on your bench for some upside if you can. And then some guys that you should not be starting week in and week out are Justin Fields, Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, M Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones. You could start these guys in a pinch, but I would highly suggest if you have a quarterback like that in your starting lineup right now, go after some of these other uh, pieces that I talked about, Dak and Burrow and Brady. Try and get yourself an upgrade at that position. So you guys can see what the full tier list looks like. You got, I'll leave it on the screen there for a second so you can fully digest it. But we are going to move on to the wide receiver position where there's a lot more to talk about at this position. So let's start with the elite tier of wide receiver ones. We definitely went into the season with an elite top five tier. I still think the elite top five tier remains intact. You can make the argument that some of the guys in the end of the top five or some of the guys in the, the next tier down belong in this elite tier. And I also think you can make the argument that the level of consistency that Cooper Cup provides could be making him belong in his own tier, similar to what we saw from him last year. But I do have Cooper Cup. I do have Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Adams all in one tier. There's some mix-ups here from my pre-draft rankings. I had Jefferson ahead of Cup. I moved Cup ahead of Jefferson just based on the consistency level that we're seeing out of Cooper Cup. And I also moved Stephon Diggs ahead of Jamar Chase and uh, Devontae Adams down to number five. So Regardless, all these guys are elite. If anybody's worried about Jefferson, if anybody's worried about Chase, if anybody's worried about Devontae Adams, make sure to go send out some offers for those guys. Then we have the back-end wide receiver ones is what I'm calling this next tier. There's a lot of guys in this. And like I said, there's a big tier of wide receiver ones here. A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, T. Higgins, 
Debo Samuel, Michael Pittman Jr., CeeDee Lamb. All these guys were expected to be in this tier pre-draft. We had them all ranked, you know, in this top 12 or so uh, area of draft rankings. I think you can make the argument that A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill might even belong in that first tier with the elite guys. But the biggest risers is what I'm going to basically talk about. Uh, most of these like tier breaks that I'm going to break down are guys that are rising and guys that are falling. So the biggest risers, guys that have leapfrogged tiers that they were in before into this elite tier are Amon Ross St. Brown for starters. He has been absolutely phenomenal. Nine straight games going back to last year with nine plus targets. This past week's nine targets that he had dealing with an injury was the only one that he's had in single digits of the last nine games that he's had. So Amon Ross St. Brown has definitely earned his right to be in this tier. We have Michael Thomas, who uh, always had the potential to be into this tier, but we were worried about the injury coming into the season. Michael Thomas also suffered a toe injury in this past week's game. Looks like it's not uh, apparently serious, so I'm not really too concerned about him. He's a guy that I think belongs in this back-end wide receiver one tier as a top 15 receiver next uh, rest of season. And then we also have Mike Williams, who I have now ahead of Keenan Allen, just simply due to an injury tiebreaker, right? Keenan Allen's an older wide receiver. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. So just risk mitigation factor, I moved Mike Williams ahead of him. And Mike Williams has also played really well as well. So he's up here in this top 15 type of area. And then Jalen Waddle, we've also seen, he was being drafted with this kind of upside, but we're actually seeing it, right? Tua is uh, performing at a high level, uh, proving he can support both of these guys. And clearly, Jalen Waddle has taken that next step in his second year, clearly able to coexist with Tyreek Hill playing well as well. So moving on to the next tier of wide receivers, which is the wide receiver twos is how I'm labeling them. Uh, a lot of guys that we expected to be in this tier as well. We have Keenan Allen, we have Marquise Brown, we have Deontay Johnson, Gabriel Davis, uh, both of the Broncos wide receivers, DK Metcalf and Chris Godwin. Once he comes back, these guys were all expected to be in this territory of rankings and some guys that we expected to finish here that are by lows right now. I think that are, you know, going under the radar are Keenan Allen, who's dealing with an injury. If you want to buy an injured player, that's all up to you. Deontay Johnson, who's getting the targets, just not very efficient right now. And then Jerry Judy, same goes for him. The last two games that he's played, he's been limited with injury, but we saw in week one what he can actually bring to the table. And then also Chris Godwin, if you guys are a 3-0 team or whatever, and you want to send out some offers for Chris Godwin, I'm sure you'll be able to flip, you know, a Curtis Samuel type for Chris Godwin straight up. And that'll definitely help you down the stretch run of your playoff uh, chances. And then the big names that are in this tier that were not in this tier coming into the season that are definitely on the rise so far have been Christian Kirk, Drake London, and Garrett Wilson. And Christian Kirk has not only dominated snaps for the Jacksonville Jaguars, running pretty much essentially 100% of their routes, but he's also in a much better situation than we initially anticipated for Christian Kirk. Trevor Lawrence right now is 11th in PFF passing grade, so he's been performing at a pretty high level, and the Jacksonville Jaguars just hung 38 points on the Los Angeles Chargers. So the Jags' offense is functioning as really a, a good unit. They have James Robinson and Travis Etienne in the backfield. James Robinson looking like comeback player of the year right now. Um, they also have the other wide receivers, Marvin Jones and Zay Jones, performing at a decently high level. And the scheme is really helping out Christian Kirk as well. So they're using their highly priced wide receiver acquisition. We all laughed when they paid him as much money as they paid him. But if he's a top 20 fantasy wide receiver this year, then it looks like money well spent. So uh, give me uh, Christian Kirk, top 20 wide receiver for the rest of the season. And we have Drake London now in this tier as well. And uh, Drake London, this is not shocking whatsoever. If you guys were around back in the spring when we were talking about the NFL draft, we were so high on Drake London. I, I specifically was very, very high on him. Consensus 102 in the class uh, from rookie draft standpoint. I can't believe people were taking guys like Kenneth Walker and you know some of the other dudes over Drake London. And this was the draw, right? When he went to Atlanta, he went top eight draft capital, eighth overall pick, clear starter, clear target earner. And we've seen that play out from the very beginning. He's been running the most routes, getting the most targets, 31.6% 
of the team's target share right now. He looks great. He's getting valuable targets as well. The wild thing that is, you know, even potentially more encouraging for Drake London than what we've already seen is that the Falcons are barely passing the ball right now. 29th in pass attempts. They only have like 79 pass attempts in three games so far. So if they ever have more pass heavy game scripts or just for whatever reason, they start to pass more. Drake London is going to feast in this offense. And Dwayne McFarland actually pointed out too, that 42% of Drake London's targets have come on play action passes, which are historically worth about 18% more than non-play action targets. So they're also scheming them up downfield type of plays. And we know Drake London can go up and get it with the best of them. So definitely not at all surprised with what Drake London did. He was one of my biggest breakout candidates. He has been awesome so far this year. Same goes for Garrett Wilson because this is basically the same discussion, right? A highly decorated top 10 wide receiver NFL draft pick. He comes in and dominates right away. He's not even a full-time player yet, which is wild. 66% of the routes this past week, up near 65% last week, uh, two weeks ago. And then in week one, he was not even on the field 40% of the time. And he is still commanding targets at a high level. We saw a huge fantasy output from him in week two, commanded 10 targets in week three, despite leaving for part of that game with an injury. I'm being aggressive with my ranking of Garrett Wilson because I don't think he's slowing down once he starts getting more routes. And I think had he not gotten injured in that game, he was on his way to setting a career high in route participation as well. So doesn't sound like his injury is too, too concerning. I could be wrong. It's still early on in the week. We don't know exactly what the injury severity is, but Garrett Wilson to me is a phenomenal guy to be buying into rest of season. So Garrett Wilson, a guy that I'm big, big aggressive on in my ranking right now. I'm ranked as a top 24 wide receiver because I think that's eventually how it's going to play itself out. And he could be even lower than where he's going to end up finishing for me. So big, big group of wide receiver threes here. And that's usually how it goes in fantasy football. All these guys that I have ranked here are about wide receiver 25 to wide receiver 40 in my rankings. There's a number of guys that we expected to be in this tier, right? We have Chris Olave, we have Amari Cooper, we have DJ Moore, who's been disappointing. Terry McLaurin, Rashad Bateman, Brandon Cooks, uh, DeAndre Hopkins once he comes back, Elijah Moore, Devontae Smith, Allen Robinson, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Gallup once he returns, Traylon Burks, who's been really good so far on his limited snaps, uh, Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, uh, Tyler Lockett, Jahan Dotson, Darnell Mooney, I'll close out my top 40 wide receivers. And the names that stand out for sure that I'm going to highlight are the rookies, uh, Chris Olave, uh, Traylon Burks and Jahan Dotson. Chris Olave has been absolutely sensational so far. Jameis, if, if Jameis was playing at a high, high level, I think Chris Olave might be one of the biggest breakouts in fantasy football right now. Jameis just needs to hit this guy when he's open because he has pretty much always been open on every pass attempt he's had thrown his way. It would not shock me if we see Andy Dalton starting at quarterback for the New Orleans Saints soon because Jameis clearly isn't healthy or just isn't playing well, whatever the case is. And we have back-to-back games of Chris Olave earning 13 targets. So I'm saying right now, Chris Olave is going to be the only reason why Michael Thomas maybe doesn't have a top 12 ceiling anymore because Chris Olave has been absolutely phenomenal. Same goes for Traylon Burks. Anytime he's been on the field, he's been efficient, averaging, you know, high yards per route run numbers and, you know, targets per route run numbers. But last week we finally saw, even though he didn't show up in the box score against Las Vegas, we finally saw him command the routes that we needed to see out of him, which means that the production is going to be soon to follow. So if you guys are playing more of a casual league and people don't understand route participation and, you know, all that kind of stuff, Traylon Burks is a great buy low candidate right now. And then same goes for Jahan Dotson, who saw a high of eight targets this past week. And I've been very impressed with what I've seen from him on the field. Still a top 40 option, in my opinion, but definitely going to be, you know, interchangeable with Curtis Samuel, with Terry McLaurin on a week in and week out basis. From a veteran perspective, a guy that we did not expect to be in this area of the draft is Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson's teammate. He has been a huge surprise this year. I'm still skeptical, uh, skeptical, to be honest. I don't think he's going to be some elite 
wide receiver talent for the rest of the year. But I do think, you know, not a bad guy to rank in the top 36 rest of the season because they're scheming him open. They're scheming him plays and he's looked really good in the process. And it was really a matter of health for him last year, why he wasn't on the field. So uh, Curtis Samuel, a guy that I think is um, pretty in a good spot rest of season, but I do love his teammate, Jahan Dotson as well. And then don't forget about Michael Gallup. Don't forget about DeAndre Hopkins, who, even though they're not on the field yet, I think once they're on the field, they're going to be really, really good options. Gallup being a part of a, you know, pass heavy offense once Dak Prescott comes back. And then DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, once he comes back, hopefully we can see him bounce back from what he showed on the field last year. And he, he should be back, you know, week six, week seven, coming off of the uh, suspension. And then I wanted to touch on some guys that maybe were being drafted ahead of this that have disappointed in this area of the draft. We have DJ Moore, who was drafted as a consensus, like top 15, top 20 wide receiver. Same goes for Terry McLaurin. And then also Elijah Moore. I would gauge the prices around your leagues uh, for these players, because I think some of them are good buy lows, depending on your league uh, evaluation of those players. Cause some people are just totally done with DJ Moore. I've seen people say that they're going to drop him. I've seen people say that he's worth nothing. If that's the sentiment in your league, go buy low on DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, same thing. And Elijah Moore, same thing. But if the league market uh, in your league is that Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore and Elijah Moore are all going to bounce back, then I would say probably stay away from them because I am still kind of concerned for all of these guys from a ceiling perspective. They might be stuck in middling wide receiver three territory for the rest of the year. So here's the full tier breakdown. You guys can see it on the screen. If you want to pause the video and take a picture of it or whatever, go ahead. But this is kind of how I see the wide receiver landscape going forward for the rest of the season. We have the elite wide receiver ones. We have a ton of back end wide receiver ones some great wide receiver two options, and then a bunch of wide receiver threes. And honestly, that wide receiver threes tier, you could probably include five to 10 more names and I wouldn't bat an eye with you. So before we get into the running back position, as always, we got to hear a word from our sponsors over at Manscaped. Big shout out to them. And you guys will be hearing that right now. Football is back, baby. We're back to seeing Patrick Mahomes throw beautiful footballs all over the field. And your friends at Manscaped are here to help you sling your footballs all over the field all season long. With Manscaped's state-of-the-art technology, we'll have your weapon looking more loaded than the AFC West. Football may be rough, but your manscaping care does not have to be. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping using the promo code BUSH. Meet the best value bundle yet for the Manscaped's Pocket Rockets. This is the Platinum Package, and at quarterback, we have the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer. You guys know it. It's a wily vet who makes sure that the unit is running smooth and scoring nonstop. With proprietary skin-safe technology, the Lawnmower limits mistakes and protects the balls, plus it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower as well. At running back, we have the Weed Whacker, and this one will break through and bust through all the holes that you need it to. On the offensive line, we have the unsung heroes, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner the trent williams and Corey lindsley of sack protection standing strong to keep your boys fresh and clean throughout all four quarters and then at wideout, we have the cleanest duo in the league we have the manscaped body wash we have the manscaped two-in-one premium conditioner and shampoo they attract both the ball and all the ladies to the crowd plus these two leave your skin and your scalp feeling hydrated that means more play on the field and less water break and then at tight end we have the manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs with the signature jewel pouch to make sure your boys are dry and cool on defense we have the only thing that you need which is the manscaped deodorant aluminum free ultra premium deodorant with refined cologne quality fragrance it keeps sweat and locker room scents from making any ground plus it dries clear so the opponent won't even know what hit him to top it all off we have the best coach in the league which is the shed travel bag as a free bonus which will keep everything in place for you so this has got to be a super bowl winning roster don't take my word for it go to manscaped.com 
get 20% off plus free shipping using the promo code Bush. That's 20% off plus free shipping when you use promo code Bush. Manscaped, turning your players into the MVP. All right, so big shout out to Manscaped, 20% off plus free shipping using the promo code Bush as always. But let's get into the running back position. And man, the running back landscape is so weird. I never expected this to be the way that it played out. But the hero and zero RB bros are looking like geniuses right now. And we were, you know, big uh, proponents of these strategies as well, because really other than Nick Chubb, no running back that was drafted in the early portion of the draft is going bonkers. Nobody's like giving you 20 point per game type of ranges of outcomes that we expected, you know, Jonathan Taylor to have in the bag and Christian McCaffrey to have in the bag, Saquon Barkley to be awesome right now. All these other guys, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, all these guys are being disappointing for some reason or another. And a lot of it is due to injury. A lot of these guys are banged up right now. Jonathan Taylor, CMC, and Saquon Barkley are still my top three overall running backs. And I also have Austin Eckler in this tier as well. But I think you can make the argument he belongs in the next tier down because that the Chargers, I mean, all the injuries that they're suffering. They lost Rashawn Slater. They lost, you know, Corey Lindsley. They don't have Keenan Allen on the field. Justin Herbert's dealing with injuries, which is big yikes. But I still think Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley and some of these guys are great by lows right now if you're into it. So now we get into the RB1s and a big tier of guys here dealing with their own kind of litany of issues. But Leonard Fournette is actually my RB5 rest of season. He's still getting an absolutely elite workload. But as I kind of talked about with Tom Brady, we don't exactly know what we're getting out of this Buccaneers offense until some of the guys get back on the field because they've just been so riddled with injuries. Same goes for Joe Mixon. I think he's like a positive regression candidate once the Bengals offense figures their shit out as well. And the ankle injury that he suffered doesn't sound too concerning. So I'm not overly worried about that. Javante Williams is my RB6 right now. He's still an excellent buy low, although his usage on Sunday night football was kind of puzzling as well. It's pretty much all these guys have some kind of concern with them. So as much as I like Javante Williams as my RB6, I'm not extremely confident that any of these guys are going to have 20 point per game type of range of outcomes, which is why I have Nick Chubb at seven, which I've never had Nick Chubb ranked that high before. And maybe you can make the argument that he should be higher for me, but the usage is still not ideal for Nick Chubb. He's still getting you know, his same old workload. He's just playing at such a high level that he's able to overcome that right now. So if you can still flip Nick Chubb right now for Leonard Fournette or Saquon Barkley or Austin Eckler, or Christian McCaffrey, or even Javante Williams, I'm willing to do it. And you could probably get pieces on top of those guys because Nick Chubb is playing at such a high level. And then this next tier or this next kind of group of running backs at the end of this tier, DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara, and Dalvin Cook, they'd all be higher if they weren't injured, right? Uh, DeAndre Swift has a shoulder injury. It sounds like he can miss a couple games. And then we have Alvin Kamara still working through the rib injury. Dalvin Cook sounds like he separated his shoulder in week three. So just a ton of question marks in this territory of the draft. And then Derrick Henry, although we kind of got back on track from an efficiency standpoint and from a usage standpoint this past week, I still don't trust this Titans offense. So um, Derrick Henry, also a guy that I think you should be selling high if people still believe in him on name value, plus the fact that he got back on track this week. So if you can sell him for some of the guys I have ranked ahead of him or just wide receivers or whatever, go ahead and do that. And if you thought the RB ones were gross, we're getting into the RB twos, which is even more disgusting. And uh, we now have Najee Harris at RB 13, dropping him down from the you know mid RB one territory that he was always at because of his usage. He's not getting the same level of, you know, snaps and two minute drill work and, you know, target share and all that kind of stuff. They were using Jalen Warren more than we expected another running back to be involved. They did tell us they were going to do this. We just kind of didn't believe them. So Najee Harris definitely takes a big hit because this offense still sinks. He's not that great of a player, in my opinion. He's a good running back, but he's not a, you know, a difference making type of running back. And also we still have a bad offensive line 
as well and, and quarterback controversies coming into the equation with the Steelers as well. So I may have James Robinson too low. I have him at RB 16 right now because this guy's been outstanding. And if you wanted to rank him higher than 16, would not blame you whatsoever. But his usage is more in line with like a mid RB two where he's, you know, outperforming kind of what his usage is, is predicting just like Nick Chubb is doing rather than like an RB one type of usage. So if you can flip James Robinson right now for anybody in that RB one tier, if you can flip him for, you know, an Alvin Kamara type, a DeAndre Swift, a, a Javante Williams, a Dalvin cook, whatever the case is, I would do that uh, with James Robinson, but I do think he's going to be good for the rest of the season as well. Also, we have the two Packers running backs that are completely cannibalizing each other. They look great, and this offense is conducive to that running back production. But as long as both of them are on the field, they're not going to be elite RB1s. They're going to be mid-RB2s because they're taking away work from each other. And then James Conner is just being inefficient as hell. So he's not going to be ranked very, very highly for me. Uh, Brees Hall is a guy that's kind of new to this territory. I just moved him up here because we saw him get more work this past week, and he saw 11 targets, 8 carries in this game against the Bengals. Although we kind of got to wonder if the reason Brees Hall saw so much receiving work is number one, because Joe Flacco is back there and Zach Wilson looks like he's coming back this week. And number two, because the game was out of hand and maybe they pulled Michael Carter out of the game. And that's why Brees Hall outsnapped Michael Carter. But nonetheless, we could be seeing a trend of Brees Hall taking over and he's, you know, a rookie running back. We expect him to scale production as the season goes along. So I do have him moved up uh, relatively higher than uh, where I had him before. And then we have Cordero Patterson who has like an RB two type of role and Antonio Gibson, same thing. Although uh, Antonio Gibson, definitely a guy that you want to be shopping with Brian Robinson, probably coming back soon. So the final tier of running backs that is just completely sickening is the middling RB twos slash high end RB threes. And again, there's probably more names that you could come up with to put in this tier, but I just wanted to talk about my top 30 running backs rest of the season. So I cut it off at 30. Um, we have Cam Akers who's on the rise. We have Ezekiel Elliott, who's Ezekiel Elliott. Um, but with Cam Akers, we still have a dead even split between him and Daryl Henderson. He's the guy I prefer rest of the season, but I'm not 100% confident in him because he's got this you know, history of fumbling and doing, making stupid mistakes that are uh, causing Sean McVay to lose trust in him. We have Kareem Hunt, who again, I think you can make the argument should be a lot higher than this. He's always going to be like a low-end RB2 type. Ramondre Stevenson, who saw a bump in his usage this past week over Damian Harris. He outsnapped him 41 to 25. He ran 26 routes to Damian Harris's 11, and he out-targeted uh, him 5-3. to three. Plus, he also got some goal line work as well. So Ramondre Stevenson could definitely be on the rise, but now we have Mac Jones out with a high ankle sprain. So uh, it's the Brian Horror-led offense. I, I don't really love that situation for either of these Patriots running backs, but definitely uh, good news on the usage side of things for Ramondre Stevenson. And then we have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's going to come back down to earth. I promise you, it's sell him now if anybody thinks he's an RB1 because he's played less than 50% of the snaps in each of the first three games. He only had 12 opportunities last week. He is His role is a high-end RB3. That's where his role is, but he, and he's going to be elevated a little bit because he plays for Kansas City. But the market perception could be way higher in your league. People might be thinking, and he's currently the RB3 in points per game right now in fantasy scoring. So if you can sell Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for you know any type of RB1 caliber price tag, I'm willing to do it on 100%. And then we also have some other middling options here, Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce, Travis Etienne, all low-end RB3s as well. Uh, and they're probably going to be inconsistent flex pieces, but they're all fine options. So disgusting landscape at the running back position. Hopefully you got yourself a good one and you don't have to worry about it. This is what the tier list looks like. You guys can see how I have the, the kind of landscape laid out. Um, again, there, there's definitely some debate involved in this. If you want to put James Robinson higher, if you want to put Nick Chubb higher, I'm going to trust the usage for the most part and hope that 
you know, that kind of balances itself out as the season goes along. But those guys are definitely playing at RB1 levels right now. So uh, let's move on finally to the tight end position. I'm just going to kind of skim through it because it is pretty simple. It's pretty simple for me how the tight end landscape is playing out. We have seen a similar level of dominance between Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, as we've seen from the top three quarterbacks that I talked about at the beginning of the video. We have Mark Andrews being a absolute touchdown machine right now. And especially with how much the Ravens are throwing relative to what we expected them to throw. He has been, uh, you know, absolutely sensational so far. And he is my tight end one rest of the season. Kelsey's been doing his thing as we expected. So he is my tight end two rest of the season. Then we have the next tier of tight ends, which I would consider like the, you know, sub elite tight ends or the, the mid tight end ones, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts and Dallas Goddard. So none of these guys have really showcased why they are potentially elite options. George Kittle just got back, so I'm not going to hold that against him too much. Darren Waller's just been kind of unlucky with his touchdown luck. And then Pitts, I would say, is the most risky of these options because of how good Drake London looks and you know how Kyle Pitts is being schemed up against by defenses. And I did elevate Dallas Goddard into this tier. And the reason I did it is because Jalen Hurts is passing so much and he's passing at such a high level right now that I think the elite touchdown upside for Dallas Goddard exists. He has 10 plus touchdown upside if this offense is going to play at the level that they're playing at right now. So for me, Goddard versus Pitts is a legitimate conversation rest of the season. And why, that's basically why I have them in the same tier uh, as Kittle and as Darren Waller. So finally, we get into the back end tight end ones. And these guys are, again, you I would not blame you if you had Pat Fryermuth at like 11 instead of at seven where I have them. I'm just kind of mix and matching these guys. These are the guys that I think are solid back end tight end ones. We have Pat Fryermuth, we have Zach Ertz, we have Dalton Schultz, we have TJ Hawkinson, we have Gerald Everett, and we have David Njoku. Uh, and you could also probably group in like a Dawson Knox type, Tyler Conklin, who's getting great usage in New York right now, Irv Smith, whatever the case is. All these guys are, you know, relatively going to be a little inconsistent because they're tight ends. But I think of the options that we have laid out here, I feel most confident in the target shares of Fryermuth, of Ertz, of Dalton Schultz and of TJ Hawkinson, and then the touchdown upside, hopefully, of Gerald Everett, as long as some of these injuries kind of keep up, he's probably going to see some more targets. And then David Njoku showed us a lot on Thursday night. We'll see if that keeps up as well. So that's kind of the tight end landscape. It's a little gross. Hopefully you have one of these elite tight ends like Andrews or Kelsey. You don't even have to worry about it. But I do also think that pretty much that middle tier of tight ends, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, is all good by low territory if you're looking to upgrade at that position as well. So with that being said, trying to keep this to under 30 minutes. Hopefully I got it done. If you guys enjoyed, leave a like, comment any of your thoughts down below. Subscribe if you are new around here. Like I said, let's try and get this video to 500 likes. If we possibly can, we will be live later tonight before Monday Night Football. So make sure you go check that out as well. Make sure you guys check out Underdog Fantasy to get some pickums in for uh, Monday Night Football as well. Promo code FSE for 100% back on whatever you put in. If you are a new user, you'll also get our weekly rankings for the rest of the season to help you out with your start set rankings. So um, definitely check all that out in the pinned comment down below. But with that being said, peace out. We'll talk to you soon. Why you need the money?